Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We're running on three of four cylinders today. John Rush, Roger Marsh, myself, Bob Duco, Neil Boron be back with us next week. Uh, John, Roger, how are you guys doing? Good. Doing great. How are you doing, Bob? Oh, doing very well. Thank you. Although I got to say, it, it feels like the twilight zone when I look at what's happening in politics. Uh, what we're going to do in this podcast is... We are going to educate our listeners and our viewers of what specific issues we're dealing with in our own respective states, in California, in Colorado, in Michigan, because there's a lot of things happening that are being paid attention to nationally. But before we do, let's just kind of catch up on uh, all things midterm elections and what's happening right now. Big news, of course, this week is that Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic Party. She put out a scathing video against the Democratic Party. I thought it was a really good statement that she made. She nailed a lot of the problem with the Democrats. Uh, We all know that Tulsi Gabbard, who was a presidential candidate uh, in the primaries for the Democrats, she's a moderate centrist Democrat. And so uh, she looks at the Democratic Party and realizes this party has completely left me. They've gone so radical, so extreme. So I say good for Tulsi Gabbard for calling out the Democratic Party. But, and John, I want to get your take on this, but I think we got to be careful not to go too far and say, hey, Tulsi Gabbard, we welcome you in the Republican Party. Let's face it, uh, she is still pro-LGBT. She's still pro-abortion. She's still pro-big government. She's, she holds on to the traditional Democratic Party ideals, but in a centrist, moderate way. Uh, the simple fact is I don't think the Republican Party needs another you know, needs another rhino. So I I applaud her for her courage to take on the Democratic Party and to call them out. But I do not want her to uh, become basically a centrist, moderate, barely leaning right of center Republican, because then she just becomes another rhino that is not the direction we want to take the Republican Party. So your thoughts on Tulsi Gabbard, John? I think she's one where, to your point, we have to be careful, I think, with her in that light. Although um, I have some personal knowledge of her that most don't have. I know some of her advisors and some of her, even folks that are around her, spiritually speaking, that are advising her. And I I really kind of predicted this day would come not that long ago because I know some of those folks and know a little bit about what's going on with her in light of all of that. And I will tell you that I believe um, wholeheartedly that she has in a way woken up to some of what's been going on, not only in her party, but in the country in general. I mean, is she a, a, a true hardcore conservative on the right individual? No. Is she much more right of center than she was even a year ago? Absolutely. And I do believe the folks that are around her have really good, strong influence on her. And Bob, I think I think she's one of those where as she continues to go down this path and learn, I believe she'll become more right of center as time goes by. That's my prediction. I could be wrong. I, like anybody, would still be 
careful with all of that and you know do we welcome her with open arms we, yeah i mean i think we would welcome anybody that wants to come to our side with what you know, with open arms now what do we do with them politically speaking and what, what we you know what we do to help them run for office and things along those lines is a whole nother discussion but you know do we welcome anybody that wants to come to our side with open arms of course we do okay well now let's explore this so what do we do with the let's forget tulsi gabbard for a moment okay do we look at somebody like Mitt Romney and say, hey, we welcome him with open arms because he's on our side? Or Lisa Murkowski or Susan Collins? I mean, what, Liz Cheney. After all, they're, quote, on our side. They have an R after their name. They caucus with the Republicans. But these are rhinos that I would love to see eliminated in primaries. Well, Liz well and, I, and I agree with that. Yeah, and again, we're talking, in, in a way, we're talking two different things. Tulsi has not said anything about running for office, although I think she's right. very smart and knows that if she's ever going to run for office again, Again, she's got to do it on our side because her side actually hates her. And I think, by the way, that's part of of what's been going on there. I mean, I, I sort of, in a way, sent a message to her through somebody that basically said, if you're ever going to do anything down the road in office, you can't be in your existing party because they hate you. And why are you staying in a party that hates you? Right. Well, I, I know I. Uh, let me toss it over to uh, to Roger here, of course, Roger Marsh from the People's Republic of California. Your, your thoughts on Tulsi Gabbard. And I, look, I appreciate what John is saying, Roger, yeah. but uh, the truth is I don't want to, when the dust settles with her, I don't want the Republican Party to be watered down with yet another centrist moderate. Although I, I'm, I applaud and respect the daylights out of Tulsi Gabbard, I do. Uh, I don't think she's healthy for the Republican Party if she's going to be a pro-choice vote, a pro-LGBT vote, if she's going to pretty much side with the Democrats on half the issues, then it's like, okay, well, how is this really benefiting to to the Republican Party to have just another rhino? Uh, to me, a rhino is a rhino, whether they came over from the Democratic Party or whether they've always been a Republican, but they slid more to the middle. The bottom line is they're, a rhino is a rhino. So I'd, I'd like to see her go more conservative and I hope John is is right about that. Your thoughts on Tulsi? Well, only time will tell. You know, I mean, this is one of those things where, unfortunately, in the fight or flight social media world, everything becomes a yes or no, up or down, right or wrong type of decision. So Tulsi Gabbard's decision to leave the Democrat Party, and I applaud that wholeheartedly, totally agree with you guys. I mean, she's the only common sense Democrat you've seen on the platform. And what happened to her during the 2020 you know, uh, know, debates and things like that, they blew her right off the, the, the water. So the fact that the Democrat Party really doesn't want her, there's really no place for her there because she is a classic liberal Democrat and the party has gone so progressive. So here, here's to her for taking that step back and saying, forget it, I'm not going to be a part of it. Now, we all saw in a lot of circles, especially in Christian circles, ooh, she left the Democrat Party. That means she's going to be a Republican. And we know that that process is a long process. Yeah. And quite frankly, you know, look, the Republican Party has some issues to deal with. Quite frankly, you've got Donald Trump versus, you know, take your pick. I mean, so there's mm -hmm. there's still some division. I don't know which Republican Party she might be siding with. She might be with the Romney rhinos. She might be part of the Trump, you know, uh, make America great again. I mean, she might be part of the leave me alone and limit government Republicans. I mean, I'm not quite sure <clears throat> where she's going to be. It's one step at a time. So we applaud right. the first step. Yay, leaving that bad party because the platform is just untenable. But then, okay, what are you stepping into? And I think that's a, those are going to be huge steps. The timing is perfect. I know she's stumping for a Republican candidate, I think, in New Hampshire right now. Uh, you know, she'll go on the paid stumping circuit like Nikki Haley and Jen Ellis do. You know, or they go out there and they say, hey, I'm from mm -hmm. Colorado, but I'm 
you know, I, I'm working it. I'm the hype guy for someone in Pennsylvania right now. I mean, th- th- there are a lot of paid political spokespeople out there. She'll do well that way. But also, you know, to John's point, John, I'm really thrilled that uh, you know people in her camp because I would love to be a fly on the wall and find out what's happening there. Is there a radical transformation coming with her? And this is just the first step. Or is this just a more calculated move to say, hey, there are a lot of moderate Democrats out there who'd like the classic John Kennedy sense, and we're going to try to align with them so then we can find another you know, person that we can run for office in 2024 together. I don't, I, it remains to be seen, so I'm cautiously optimistic. Hey, John, do, do we know anything about uh, Tulsi Gabbard's faith and uh, possibly faith as a Christian in that particular walk with her. And I, and I, I, I wouldn't want you to reveal any confidentialities in, in you knowing her that she would not be revealed, but just maybe anything that we know publicly. Has she declared a faith in Christ to your knowledge? No, uh, she, and, I, and I don't think she's done that even privately, although I will tell you that and I don't think there's any, any anything that I can't share here. Is she much farther along that path than she was even a year ago? Okay. Absolutely. Well, that's great. You know what? That I can tell Maybe. you. Hey, look, she's got to have Christians in her circle. Well, she does, obviously, you. and so She has some that I know very, very well that have okay. very strong influence on her. Well, maybe maybe she, she comes to the Lord and the Holy Spirit does a work on her and she has a change of heart about a lot of the, the other issues politically as well. That, uh, you know, I, that would I, would, um, I would not be shocked to see that, to be honest we'll with see. you. We'll see. But politically, I say let's not add another rhino to I agree. Republicans uh, until we see that she actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm one of those, and, and guys, I think this is something that we should talk about maybe, maybe in a future show when it comes to politicians in general. Um, you know, what is the fruit of their labor been up to this point, and right. you know, should should we be supporting them even when it comes to the primary sides of things? Yeah. No, you know what? That that is a discussion to have. Uh, certainly in the future. There's a lot more to talk about and unpack as we continue through this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. In the meantime, I do want to ask everybody listening to us right now, when you look at what's going on with abortion, you know, Roe v. Wade is overturned and some people are breathing a sigh of relief going, oh, that's great. Folks, the fight is stronger now than it's ever been before. The pro-abortionites are just going crazy in their in their efforts to codify abortion all across this country. And that's why more than ever we need to be supporting preborn. Now here you hear me talking about preborn on this podcast every week. Preborn has been around for a long time. They partner with pro-life pregnancy centers all around the country by showing ultrasound images of babies to expectant moms. And those moms choose life 80% of the time when they see an ultrasound image of their baby. So it's really important we get these images in front of these moms, but it takes money. And here's the money we're looking at. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion, to save one baby's life. So here's what we're asking everybody listening to us right now to do. Donate one time $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Would you be willing to do that? It's a tax write-off for you, 100% of what you donate goes right to funding ultrasounds, not a penny for overhead. Now, if you could do more than 280, do more than 280. Maybe you can do 560 and save 20 babies' lives. You know what? Maybe you could do 2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. Whatever the number is, we need everybody to make a donation now, if you would. So here's how easy it is. Just go online to crawfordmediagroup.net, all right? crawfordmediagroup.net, and you'll see the preborn tab. Click on the preborn tab. You can donate right there online. 
all right, crawfordmediagroup.net. If you want to donate over the phone, they're answering the phones right now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Give them a call at 833-850-BABY. Just mention the National Crawford Roundtable if you would. So 833-850-BABY. But everybody, let's do that donating now if you would. Save some babies' lives. The fight continues. As we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, myself, John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Borom be back with us next week. We're talking about all things midterm elections coming up. Either of you guys see the uh, NBC interview with John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, the Senate race, of course, you got John Fetterman, Mehmet Oz, and uh, Roger, I'm not a fan of Mehmet Oz. I'm not, but of course I would much rather him win over John Fetterman, but my goodness, to have a candidate for the Senate, a potential United States Senator that he, he can't even comprehend words in spoken form. Now, I don't say that to personally insult him. The man had a stroke in May. And I told my audience on my show, everybody needs to be praying for John Fetterman and his health. Absolutely. So this is not a personal attack on him, but it's just a practical reality that if somebody is that is struggling mentally that much that they're not able to comprehend words in a conversation that they have to have closed captioning just to do an interview. Uh, I don't think this person should be the deciding vote in the Senate. And if the Senate ends up being a 50-50 Senate, when the dust settles, he could be the actual deciding vote that decides the direction of this country in many different areas. Uh, Pray for him. Absolutely. But have him have that kind of power in the United States Senate. I'm just I'm, I'm shocked that Democrats are okay with that. Well, put the shoe on the other foot. If Mehmet Oz had had the stroke, you know, and, and the Republicans in Pennsylvania continued to try to prop him up, even though he had cognitive issues that would keep him just from answering simple questions, let alone serving in the United States Senate, I would hope that the GOP in Pennsylvania would do something, whatever they can right. legislatively to, to replace the candidate. So the idea that the Democrat Party is okay with this. I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling. Of course, praying for this man's health. No one wants to see anybody. Uh, I've got family members, we all do, who've been impacted by stroke and it's it's never a good situation. I mean, it's when you see somebody who can move past it. I know my own dad's had a couple of them and it's been very difficult for him to regain, you know, speech and the the spatia issues in terms of recognizing what other people are saying, but a real challenge for him. But he's also 89 years old, not running for senator in Pennsylvania. I mean, we're crying out loud. What does this say? I mean, back to our Tulsi Gabbard comments. What does it say about the Democrat Party that they would prop this guy up? I mean, this is it kind of reminds me of it was a a joke, but somewhat tongue in cheek. But uh, back in an old Simpsons cartoon when they were uh, they were up for an Emmy Award or something like that. And uh, they lost to an unwritten as yet to be titled episode of Itchy and Scratchy. And everybody <laughs> clapped and gave him the award. Right. But that was the uh, the gag was. Everyone, oh, whatever. They, life. It's been, it, it is. I mean, it really is. It's happening right before our eyes. And so a man who is str- struggling and suffering with his health and has a questionable criminal background, with that whole thing with the you know police chase and stuff. I mean, and, and yet. The Democrat Party in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is okay with this. I mean, we as Americans should be alarmed. I mean, it it does not speak well for the electorate at all that this guy's out there. Well, I mean, John, if you think about it, the Democratic Party has already shown they don't care with Joe Biden. No, they don't care. Comfortable taking a guy, propping him up with two by fours, basically playing weekend at Bernie's with nuclear launch codes. They're willing to do stuff like Mm -hmm. this already. So what matters the most to them is. We don't want Trump or Trump supporters. And so therefore, John Fetterman, what kind of health problems do you have? Well, 
Is he is Doesn't he a matter. Mega Republican? That's right. No, he's not. Well, then he's fine. What about That's Joe right. Biden? He's not Trump. Okay, well then he's fine. It's like anything with a pulse. I honestly, I really believe they would they would uh, wrap up a, a pet rock in a suit and run with that. They don't care as long as it's not a conservative Republican. In some cases, Bob, and we talked a little bit about this before the, the program today, in some cases, it's all they've got to run. So in some cases, yeah. to their, you know, to their credit, what else do they do? Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, I mean, really, <laughs> look at look at their true. bullpen. It's not like they've got a lot to choose from. I know. I know. And then you get to Georgia, the whole Herschel Walker thing. We talked about Herschel Walker last week and, and you know, the accusations against him. Are they true? Are they not true? Uh, he vehemently denies them. OK, but of course, the media is. If you're Republican, it's guilty until proven innocent. Correct. Uh, but you look at Raphael Warnock. I mean, this guy is a pastor, supposedly. Uh, he's as liberal left. I, I, I would have a hard time calling him that. Oh, he supports abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. He's about as rabidly. He's really more of a, a Black Lives Matter activist. Correct. Than he is a, a pastor, to be sure. But what does it take for liberals, John, to be offended by somebody? This guy, I don't know if you saw the story about uh, the the evictions that he's been uh, doing here. Yes, yes, church, I did. He's a, one of the people that he's evicting because he's a landlord too. Is somebody that's overdue on the rent by twenty eight dollars. They're twenty eight dollars right. short on the rent. He's being wow. Herschel Walker stepped up and said, "You know what? I'll pay anybody's rent that's being evicted by this guy." Why in the world is the media not offended by him and the Democrats offended by him? No, nope, you know what? That's okay because he's not the conservative Republican. That's right. And I've said it all along. I'll keep saying it. There is a, I believe it's an illness on that side of the aisle where they do not think correctly. And because of that, they allow these sorts of things to, to you know, they give them a pass. They'll even, they'll even justify some of these things, guys. It's not even that they give them a pass and don't pay attention to it. If this came up in public conversation with a Democrat, they would actually, they, they would, they would actually, you know, defend this guy at the end of the oh. day. I know. I know. It really is amazing. Uh, we got more politics to talk about. In the second half of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the individual races in our states and and uh, some of those issues there. But before we get into some more politics and get Roger back in here, I do want to remind everybody, you heard me mentioning earlier about preborn. If you called and donated, great. If you did not donate yet, please consider doing that now. Okay. Preborn, remember, partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country. These pro-life centers that have been firebombed, that have been attacked and vandalized by the pro-abortion activists. And of course, as you know, they're not being held accountable by the Department of Justice. So we need to, as believers in Christ, as pro-lifers, we need to stand up and, and fight for these unborn babies and for these pro-life centers. And the way to do that is to donate to preborn. $28 is the average cost of stopping one abortion, saving one baby's life. So $280, you save 10 babies' lives. $2,800, you save 100 babies' lives. How much can you donate? And listen, we need some of you out there that are maybe blessed financially by God, or you have a business, you'd like a nice tax write-off for the end of the year. An ultrasound machine costs $15,000. If you will buy an ultrasound machine, you will be responsible for literally stopping thousands and thousands of abortions. $15,000. What do you say? It's all a tax write-off for you. And 100% of what you donate goes to funding ultrasounds through preborn to save babies' lives. Nothing for overhead. So $15,000 for an ultrasound machine. And for everybody else, $28 times however many you can do it. Do 10, do 100, whatever it is. 
But here's how you donate. Go right now to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on the preborn tab and you can donate right there online. Or just give them a call at 833-850-BABY. And they answer the phones 24 hours a day. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. As we talk in this National Crawford Roundtable podcast about all things midterm election. And what's so, uh, Roger, I want to get your take on this as well. I mean, you're a pastor, okay? Raphael Warnock in Georgia is a quote-unquote pastor. He's also a, uh, a senator, a United States senator. And I just, I can't fathom a pastor, first of all, supporting abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, uh, being a radical leftist as he is, but also he's, he's paid pretty well. I mean, he, he gets $120,000 $120, salary uh, for being on staff there in his church. He then gets on top of that close to $90,000 in housing allowance. Okay, fine. He gets on top of that, his Senate salary, which is a hundred and some thousand a year. I don't know how much. And then on top of that, whatever he gets in speaking fees. And yet he's evicting people for being behind $28 on their rent. I'm not saying there's never a time for eviction, even, you know, as a Christian, sometimes you need to evict if somebody's unwilling to pay. But my goodness, you don't take somebody who was short in last month's rent by $28 and say, you're out of here if you're a pastor. You know, it's interesting. I'm sure there are a few pages in his Bible because it's so well-worn and because he spent yeah. so much time writing in it and taking notes and stuff like that, that Matthew 9, 13 may have been ripped out of his Bible. You know what I mean? Yeah. The whole thing where Jesus says, I require mercy, not sacrifice. I mean, God is merciful to us first and foremost in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sin. We're sinful people. We're born into a sinful fallen world. We can't free ourselves from that sin, but the blood of Jesus delivers us from that sin. So when God shows that act of love, God so loved the world by being merciful to us, first and foremost. I have a hard time understanding how a pastor who also was a landlord would not at least have a certain measure of mercy and ask the question, okay, why are you $28 short? What can we do to help out? I mean, is it a one-time thing? I mean, I realize we're probably not getting all the details on this, but this just seems crazy, especially for a guy who, as you mentioned, has multiple income streams and, and is a high-profile pastor. But then at the same time, this is also the same type of guy who, if we were to tell him about our relationship with Preborn here at the National Crawford Roundtable, he'd say, well, why? You know, I mean, what, what do you mean ultrasound? That's dangerous. You know, he, he, we, we get all that left wing rhetoric coming out and say, look, we have hundreds of NCR listeners who are supporting preborn right now. We got a thousand dollar gift this past week. I mean, from an NCR listener, they're they're putting their money where their mouth is because of mercy, first and foremost. So uh, how you can look at someone who says I'm a pastor and don't show mercy to people. I, I don't understand how any Christian would want to support that guy simply based on the fact that. That's what he ran on uh, two years ago, saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm Pastor Raphael Warnock, and all the Christians in Georgia were supposed to vote for him. I'm sure a lot of them did simply because of that title, and I don't think that's right. Yeah, which, by the way, on top of this, uh, John, a lot of people don't know that if you recall during COVID, there was a moratorium on evictions in right. America. We all understand right. that, okay? And everybody kind of got that, although there came a point where Republicans said, okay, wait, we cannot have a moratorium in perpetuity forever of a victim. There does come a point where we have to think about landlords and business owners, apartment complex owners. And, and if, if somebody's able to work and they're not willing to work and they're going to stay home and just live off the government and not pay their rent, 
you have to once again allow people to evict in certain circumstances. Raphael Warnock strongly came out against that, and he was extremely vocal, saying, that is so wrong. And he played the pastor card in these Republicans wanting to evict people. And I just, I look at what's happening right now with him, and it just, it is staggering. Honestly, John, I wonder, what does it take to cause a Democrat voter today to wince at their own party. We are willing to wince at our own candidates. We are, we've all we done are. that. Yes. Look, I'm a huge supporter of Donald Trump. Trust me. He'll make me wince sometimes. I'm like, oh boy. We've talked know, about that, it on this program. We have. We're, we're totally willing to wince and to criticize right. and to hold our own candidates' feet to the fire. What does it take to make a Democrat voter wince at one of their candidates anymore? Anymore, Bob? Nothing. I'm, I'm convinced. No. Absolutely nothing. They, they Again, not only do they not wince, they will defend to, you know, let, let, let's let's not talk about them just wincing. They'll, they'll go after anybody that goes after that individual. That's how far it's gone. Oh, I know. It, it, it really is insane. And you do have to wonder, uh, Roger, let me ask you, we have just about a minute to the break, about 60 seconds. This Democratic Party and the Democratic voters, I honestly believe that a lot of conservative Christian Republican voters uh, we would be extremely troubled if we saw this kind of stuff going on in our own party. Right. But I, I just, I'm not seeing the kind of conflict here uh, among Democratic voters. And that just blows my mind. Yeah, it is mind boggling. I mean, really, these are the people who will say the reason you can't have Donald Trump as president is his morals are terrible. He's a nasty person. He's an awful person. He's a terrible person. But when something like this happens in Georgia or Pennsylvania or whatever, they'll say, nah, we don't care. It's our guy. And it, it really, I mean, it, it's that kind of Homer athlete, you know, uh, athletic team supporter who just says, I don't care what my team does. They could cheat. They could lie. They could do whatever. But that's my yeah. team. And I'm going to keep cheering for them. And it just, it's, it's mind boggling. But this is America in 2022, divided between the people who are looking for truth, justice, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And other people are saying, I got mine. Get out of my yard. And get out of my way. Don't make me think about how bad my side is because right. I'm fine with that. And that makes me very welcoming and inclusive and diverse and all that stuff. And, and you're, you're just trying to wake me up from my dream and I don't want to hear it. Win at all costs. Yep. You know, the, the, the ends justify the means and blah, blah, blah. All the cliches. Well, that seems to define today's Democratic Party. I don't, I don't know what else to call it. All right. The second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We're going to talk about some of the goings-on in Michigan, Colorado, and California that's being watched nationwide and the significance of some of the local races in these states. We're going to get to that in the second half of this podcast. And of course, we encourage you, uh, you can go to crawfordmediagroup.net. You can listen to previous podcast episodes if you'd like, or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcast. We welcome your five-star reviews. We thank you for them. If you want to watch video of this podcast, you can do that as well, as well at myhopenow.com. All right, that's myhopenow.com. And also for the second half of the podcast, if you're able to listen to it on your regular radio station, that's great. If not, go to the website of your local radio station because they may just be playing the second half at a different time. So check the program uh, listing there at the website. Otherwise, you can listen online. All right, second half coming up next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production.
Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, with John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, with Roger Marsh of the Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, uh, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Neil will be back with us next week, so we'll just trash him behind his back this week. Uh, <laughs> we look forward to having him back next week. All right, so we're talking about the midterms coming up. And guys, let's talk about what's happening in our own individual states, because there's a lot of things going on in Colorado, a lot of things going on in California, and a lot of things going on here in Michigan. So uh, let me go ahead and start with, with Michigan with you guys, if, uh, if I could. Uh, we have, of course, the gubernatorial race, Gretchen Whitmer, has got to go. She's absolutely got to go. Tudor Dixon is the one running against her. And it is amazing here in Michigan to watch the money difference. The amount of money that floods in to uh, pay for these Democrats is incredible. So the ads that we're seeing, it's like you're seeing 20 TV commercials for Gretchen Whitmer to every one for Tudor Dixon. So it really makes my eye twitch. Uh, We're also going through the attorney general, which has to go here. uh, And we want to replace the attorney general, Jocelyn Benson, with a a good, strong, solid conservative, Matt DiPerno, who's also good friends with Donald Trump. And then secretary of state, our secretary of state, I'm sorry, secretary of state's Jocelyn Benson, the attorney general's Dana Nessel, but our secretary of state, Jocelyn Benson, uh, she has facilitated so much voter fraud to making it easy for the Democrats here. So we're trying to replace her with Christina Caramo, who is an African-American lady, a conservative, a Christian. As a matter of fact, she's not only such a born-again evangelical Christian, she actually has a college degree in Christian apologetics. She's a Christian apologist, which makes her a woman after my own heart. And I just have to say on a side note, I'm so honored that uh, Christina told me personally, privately, that I served as the inspiration for her to go to college and get a degree in Christian apologetics, uh, that, that she awesome. follows me and has listened to my cool. show. She says, Bob, I've listened. She says, I grew up listening to you. I used to listen to you as a little girl. I'm like, hey, thanks for making me feel so old. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But she's like, I got into Christian apologetics. You inspired me. I was like, wow. You know, so, you know, I'm behind her for secretary of state in the state of uh, Michigan. But Here's the thing I really want to lay out about what's happening here in Michigan. We have three proposals, proposal one, proposal two, proposal three. All right. I'm a no vote on all three. Uh, Proposal one isn't so important, but it's about changing the way term limits are done in kind of a dishonest way. makes it look like term limits are being shortened, but they're actually being lengthened on average. But okay, fine. Proposal two and proposal three are so scary for us as Michiganders. Proposal two, uh, it, it basically turns Michigan's election laws into California's election laws. It, 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 uh, it, proposal two, to give you an idea, it would ban voter ID requirements. It would expand absentee and mass balloting all across the state. It would permanently place drop boxes throughout Michigan, inviting voter fraud. And it allows special interest and nonprofit money from around the country to be able to buy elections. And we all know pro-life and Christian nonprofits typically have way less money than liberal nonprofit groups of George Soros, Bill Gates, Hollywood, powerful unions, all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, and of course, uh, proposal two here is strongly supported by the ACLU, the Democratic Party. And the scary thing, proposal two is a state constitutional amendment, which means it would be almost impossible to overturn this. Uh, we would, in essence, have a constitutional amendment that says we would be among the most liberal left-wing voting laws in the state or in the country. That's proposal two. And then finally, proposal three. Oh, by the way, proposal two of being sold by dishonesty, the way that it's being presented and the way that it's written on the ballot is this will expand voting and give more people opportunities to vote. Do you support this or oppose this? It's like, oh, my goodness. All right. Then proposal three is probably one of the most insidious, deceptive things I've ever seen. Michigan is a pro-life state. All right. So we have a 1931 law that says Michigan is pro-life abortion is banned. Roe v. Wade put that on hold. With Roe v. Wade gone, now we revert back to pro-life. However, Proposal 3 uh, undoes the 1931 uh, pro-life law and says that Michigan would be pro-choice, uh, if you will. And the commercials say it would revert Michigan back to the way things were under Roe v. Wade. And that's why it's got overwhelming support, Proposal 3. But Michiganders are being lied to. If you actually look at Article 1, Section 28 of the so-called Right to Reproductive Freedom Constitutional Amendment, the actual language that would go in the Constitution of Michigan, what Proposal 3 does is it eliminates all restrictions on abortion. The language specifically states, quote, every individual with no age requirement quote, has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which entails the right to make and effectuate decisions on all matters relating to pregnancy. But it also says sterilization, which opens it up to the transgenderism and such. Parents would not have a right to veto their minor child's decision to get uh, sexual mutilation surgery or for that 14 or 15-year-old girl to get an abortion, a teacher could take her to get an abortion. Mom and dad don't even have to be notified. And if they find out, mom and dad couldn't even stop it. Because it says that all matters related to pregnancy, this right shall not be denied, burdened, or infringed upon. And it also says, quote, the state shall not penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against an individual based on their actual potential or perceived or alleged pregnancy outcome. Uh, and it goes on to say, and ultimately this would invalidate all existing Michigan abortion restriction laws, such as parental consent, waiting periods, informed consent, third trimester bans. I mean, California even has some restrictions on abortion. We would have zero restrictions on abortion. Uh, they would literally be allowed in Michigan to get abortions through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason whatsoever. And if the baby's born alive after an abortion, all you have to do is have that as a perceived pregnancy outcome of the child died, and therefore you can deny medical care to that child. Uh, untrained non-medical personnel would be allowed to participate in abortions. Abortion clinics, it's written into the language, would be allowed to set their own standards for health, safety, and sanitation. Christian doctors would lose their conscience rights to opt out of doing abortions. Pro-abortion teachers allowed to take minors without telling mom and dad, statutory rape reporting would no longer be required. And there's no age restriction whatsoever. On top of that, uh, pregnant women would have an absolute right to make any decision whatsoever regarding pregnancy. Uh, 
and I look at this and right now in Michigan, the latest poll, Detroit News poll shows only 24% of Michiganders are voting no on this. 61% say they're planning on voting yes, because after all, all it does is revert us to the way that it was when Roe v. Wade was law. Well, no, under Roe v. Wade, we had 12 different pro-life restrictions on abortion across the state. Every single one of them will go away. And there's a very, very small percentage of anybody who supports unrestricted abortion through all nine months right up to the moment of birth with no parental consent. Hardly anybody supports that. That's what people in this state, those 61%, the majority of them, I guarantee you, don't know what's actually in the language itself of this constitutional amendment in Michigan. That's what's getting ready to happen here in Michigan, guys. And I find it obscene that this is going to be a constitutional amendment and it's being sold through deception. And we have a dishonest media that's not telling people the truth. I'm screaming it from the rooftops. Michigan Right to Life is having their annual banquet uh, next week. I'm their keynote speaker. I will, of course, be hitting this large. But, oh, all right. That's a big rant. Uh, Here's what I want to do. We're going to go around the table and we're going to talk about this a little bit and then talk about uh, the other states as well. But before we do, Roger, I just want to ask you very quickly, uh, you guys at least have some restrictions on abortion. Michigan, if this passes, will actually be more pro-abortion than any state in America, including California. Uh, it's like we would be the Gavin Newsom would have to say, go to Cal, go to Michigan because they have better tourism for people looking for an abortion than we even do here in California. That's how insane this is, Roger. Well, guess what? <laughs> you think that it's insane in Michigan? You're trying to make it even more insane here in the People's Republic. We yeah. have about seven propositions. We have propositions here on the ballot and the propositions go through a regular numbering phase. So if there were one through eight on the ballot in one election cycle, they go through nine through wherever. We're actually at, in the 20s right now. So it's props 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. And then there's proposition one that's on the ballot. And guess what it's called, Bob? It's the Right to Reproductive Freedom Act. Oh, that's what ours was called. That's right. Exactly. And it's almost the exact same language. And here's the deal, because in California, they do a lot to blur the lines between contraception and abortion. They never mention abortion. It's always contraception. It's always a woman's right to obtain contraceptives, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the funny thing about it is California is the most pro-abortion state in the U.S. As a matter of fact, our friends at Preborn have shared with us that there are five states in the U.S., that are responsible for 55% of all the abortions in the United States, California, Texas, Florida, ironically, uh, New York, and Illinois. But when you say that Michigan wants to become a tourism state too, well, Gavin Newsom has traveled. He was in seven different states recently saying, look, come to California, have your abortion. If Prop 1 passes, then basically everything you described in Michigan will now be legal in California. There's just one problem with that. Even the most ardent pro-abortion supporters do not support third trimester exactly. abortions. They don't support the other stuff too. I mean, it's like 80% of California does not want that third trimester. And especially the last part, which is designed entirely to keep abortionists from being sued. The idea that a woman could give birth to a child that she intended to abort and it's considered an abortion. And if they don't provide care for the baby, well, no one's going to get sued. No, no, it's, it's awful. And in California, yes. that extension goes up to 24 months on that it's not just four wow. weeks i mean it's this, just, it's it's insane it's crazy this is this is sick and actually one of the thing i got to ask you about that roger before we do though uh 
when we're talking about the unborn folks, seriously, call preborn right now, 833-850-BABY. Donate something to them. They answer the phones 24 hours a day. Donate $280, save 10 babies' lives. Or go online to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab and donate whatever you can. It's $28 to save one baby's life. And we're asking everybody, do $280, 10 babies. Do $2,800, 100 babies, whatever you could afford to do. Uh, but let's take this seriously, folks. Let's get some skin in the game. Let's save these babies' lives. Crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. You know, Roger, before we get to to John and what's going on in Colorado, because you and I are so similar in what's what's happening with our own states. Right. You brought up such an important point, and I really want to drive this home. In California, eighty percent of Californians don't support abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. And that's California. If you look at national polls, on average, you get between 11 and 18% in the polls that I've seen that say that they support abortion in third trimester. It is very, very low, the number. In Michigan and in California, these proposals, and is yours a constitutional amendment proposal as well? Okay, so it would be codified in the Constitution that... You can get an abortion all the way up to the day of birth, and nobody can stop that. Uh, the legislature can't stop that. Parents would not be allowed. I don't know if your proposal in Michigan uh, ha- has at least an age mentioned. Ours doesn't even mention age. All it says is, quote, any individual. Okay, therefore, if you're able to get pregnant, you are an individual. It's any age. Mom and dad have no say in this. Uh, I'm telling you. Roger, if Californians and Michiganders, if they knew the actual verbiage that was uh, in these amendments, there's no way in the world that they would be voting for them. Uh, how's your proposal looking at ours? Is ours is going to pass at this yeah, point? Sixty-one percent to twenty-four percent. That's insane. Yours yeah, is ours, too. Ours is too, and it's simply because Newsom has the media. Newsom's running ads, and yep. he—I mean, literally—I mean, the day that Roe versus Wade was overturned, the twenty-fourth right. of June, I was out running some errands. I came out of the shopping center. And there was a billboard that said, uh, California, the place for abortion will always be legal. And accept-. I mean, they had this campaign lined up months ago. They had, I mean, obviously right. the fact that these bills were, had gone through all the legislative process to, to, you know, there were things that Newsom signed, he covered some of the transgender stuff by mm-hmm. legislation. And oh, by the way, AB 2098 did get signed into law with regard to the medical stuff yeah, that we talked right, about right. a couple weeks ago. So, I, I mean, there's, there, there's all sorts of restrictions on your freedom. And yet he has the audacity to run ads in Texas and Florida saying, come to California because this is where you can truly be free. I mean, the idea that they, they never with Mar- mentioned with Mark 1231, by the exactly, way, exactly. quoting Jesus words. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Love your neighbor wow. as yourself. Right. Oh, you know, boy. the idea California has been so closed mouth, so tight lipped about how many abortions actually are performed here. It's a, uh, ostensibly it's anywhere between uh, 20 and 25 percent of the abortions in the U.S. happen in California. Mm. But now they're starting to come out with numbers and uh, they unashamedly. Hey, at once Proposition one passes. I mean, we, we're doing about 46,000 abortions a year. Not even close. It's way more than that. But we anticipate we could be doing one point three million. I mean, so come, uh, this will be great for the it'll be great for we tourism. need a tote board. We need exactly. Jerry Lewis tote board. Exactly. It exactly. Is insane. Think about it that because once they're out here, they can go to Disneyland and Universal Studios and they can see the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, and I know that sounds horrible and insidious, but that's the way these people it's think. True. This this is the mentality they're coming up with. You're absolutely right. Okay. So this is the craziness of Michigan and California's elections. Well, 
Got bad news for you, folks. Colorado, they got their own insanity happening as well. We're going to get John's take on what's happening in Colorado. Before we do, don't forget, folks, when you hear us talking about abortion, all right, Preborn is a tremendous pro-life organization that for a long time has been partnered with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country to save babies' lives. They do this by showing ultrasound images to the moms, but it takes money to do that. $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion to save one baby's life. So will you donate $280 and save 10 babies' lives? Right now, we do that. Or $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. Remember, preborn last year alone, 2021, stopped 43,669 abortions, all right? And along the way, there were 7,986 decisions for Jesus Christ among those women. Is that worth your $28 times however many babies' lives you're willing to save? Here's how you do it. Go to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab. You can do that right now. Crawfordmediagroup.net, click on the preborn tab and donate. 100% of what you donate goes to funding ultrasounds, zero to overhead or any other expenses, okay? You can also call and donate over the phone, 833-850-BABY, and they answer the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable if you would. All right, winding down today's episode, we're talking about right now the midterm elections in our individual states. So John Rush, Rush to Reason, Denver, Colorado, you know, you're the voice for Central Colorado there. And give us an idea, what kind of things do we need to be paying attention to here? You've heard the insanity going on Mm -hmm. in Michigan and California. What's happening there in Colorado? And real quick, ironically, as you guys were talking all the way through that, I got a ultrasound, 3D ultrasound image of my grandbaby that will be here within Mm. the next week or two, full 3D. And guys, breaks my heart. Oh, John, that that baby in most states, mine included, could be aborted today. Mm. How wrong? Mm. How wrong? Praise praise God. That that is, I mean, Mm. it's such an important and powerful point that you make, John, which by the way, congratulations. I'm getting ready to be grandfather number three, uh, five weeks from now. That's awesome. Uh, But uh, nothing better, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing better. No question. Anyways, you know, guys, um, I, hey, sorry, I don't mean to break any uh, bad news here, but we we don't have any ballot measures like what you guys have going on. But ironically, because in Colorado, uh, you do have to notify uh, your parents, at least one guardian, if you're under the age of 18. But if you don't want to do that, you can go to a judge and actually have that written out where you don't have to do that. So in Colorado, you can pretty much do anything you want with an abortion all the way through that baby being delivered. Yes, that is in Colorado. We're already there. Yeah. How uh, how left-wing is Colorado as far as your representatives in, Extremely. in Washington? Yeah. We, we are extremely, extremely uh, blue. Uh, everybody keeps talking about, oh, you know, Colorado's a purple state. Guys, I've lived here my entire life. I can't tell you a time when I can remember us being a red state. I think there's always these misconceptions that we're a lot more conservative at times than we are. And just because there'll be a few conservatives that are outspoken and do things and so on. But in general, even with our governorship and so on in Colorado, we have been blue for a very long time. And I will tell you that we are not just blue. We are deep blue. What's ironic here is we have bipolar voters. 
We're deep blue on all of the social issues out there, including abortion. Yet when it comes to, you know, raising of taxes and things along those lines, we're very conservative. So it's the weirdest thing ever. Yet, yet the voters will vote for the same. They'll, they'll vote down in a, a, you know, a proposed tax increase on the ballot, but yet they'll vote for the same individuals that'll go to the legislature and raise them anyways. It's the dumbest thing ever in Colorado. We have the goofiest voters on the planet that I guess just don't understand how things work. Fortunately, uh, this, this go around, which I'm very surprised because typically we have all sorts of ballot measures, things like what you guys are talking about in your states. We really don't have much of that. We've got some weird things like, you know, which I, I don't know what it's like in Michigan, but in California, I know it's already this way, Roger, where, you know, you can sell alcohol in the grocery stores and so on and so forth. Right now in Colorado, you can't have more than, if you have a liquor license, you can't have more than three locations. They want to expand that. I mean, just some goofy things along those lines. We do have one tax measure that would lower our income tax. But outside of that, guys, honestly, uh, we've got one weird one on psychedelic drugs, which in Colorado will probably pass knowing our, our past history when it comes to things like that. But outside of that we really don't have any you know earth shattering propositions or amendments bipolarado i love it it's bipolarado that's exactly right (laughs) no it's a great hey john what do you think what do you think uh needs to happen how do we is there a way to turn you know deep blue states actually back to purple let alone red i mean it's not impossible that happened nope. with virginia no, you know and glenn youngkin okay so they went purple to uh, to red what what kind of th- how do we get the message out to uh to, to get voters in we'll say a colorado to maybe bring it back to at least purple status you know and we, i talk about this on my show a lot and we've talked about this on this program a little bit. I think we did it a few weeks ago, even on our podcast, which we probably should delve into maybe even after this election season is over. And really, guys, it comes down to and and we're, and I'll just I'll go out front and say it right now. I say it on my on my program all the time. We're lacking the correct leadership to do exactly what you're talking about, Bob. And what I mean by leadership is we we don't have a party in Colorado with a vision. We don't have a vision for candidates. We don't recruit the right candidates. You know, we don't do a lot of the things that I feel it takes to get us where we need to go. Instead, we'll infight over dumb things. We had a situation happen here of late where we've got a, a senator that's been in Colorado, Michael Bennett. He is 1,000% communist, Democrat. I mean, this guy votes lock, stock, and barrel with anything that comes down the pike. You throw in front of him. He has an ultimate D. He's going to vote that way. It doesn't matter. And we've got in Colorado another individual. He's a business guy like myself. He's running for office or he's running for that office, I should say. He he actually, you know, uh, petitioned onto the ballot, won the primary against the, you know, tried and true, hardcore, you know, Republican guy that made it through the, the assembly and all of that. Long story short, and, and by the way, he's a little bit soft on the on the abortion side of the fence. In other words, he believes in that first trimester and, and so on. But we can get into that as far as him at a later date, maybe even talk about some of these candidates and what we do in these, these particular situations. But overall, when it comes to all the things that we believe in as conservatives, you know, he's, he's right in line with the rest of us. There's a couple of things that I feel he's soft on. But let me tell you what, he is far better than the other person that's in office right now. And I think this particular candidate, Joe Day is his name, he actually has a chance of beating Michael Bennett if, if we as conservatives would rally behind him. But we in Colorado, here's what we do. 
the person that he beat in the primary, Ron Hanks, he came out a week ago and he is now endorsing the libertarian candidate to go against Joe O'Day. And uh, now it's going to screw everything up. I mean, it is the dumbest thing ever. And it's why like we that? can't win here. Why? in the? You know what? We're going through a little bit of that here in Michigan, too. I get it. The, the, the uh, one of the Republican candidates, OK, going independent now. And so it's like, why are you guys trying to split the oh. That's all they no, do. I, and, and, and this I is, a con again, this is probably a conversation even after the election's over, come back, recap, and do some things here on the podcast. But, folks, I'm telling you, please, I, I'm, I am, I'm telling you this. I believe it's your God-given duty. You cannot vote for that third-party candidate. It is a 1,000% right. waste of your vote. You might, if that's you're going right. to do that, just sit it out because you're not helping anybody when Absolutely. you do that. Absolutely. Why in the world would you use your vote in a way that's going to help the Democrat get and I take a lot of heat, by the way, on air, Bob and, and Roger for saying that. But I, I believe that wholeheartedly. This this idea of oh, I got to vote my conscience. Well, you know what? You're going to vote for your conscience or vote your conscience and you're going to leave us a, a hardcore, solid communist D in office. How does yeah. that work? Out? Hey, I'll tell you what. I, I'm with you. I've had people call into my show repeatedly and say the same thing. Bob, I need to vote my conscience. Why won't you vote your conscience? I said my conscience will not allow me to use my vote in a way that puts the Democrat in office. You and got you it. Third party. That means you're using your vote to help the Democrat That's get in right. office. How does That's your conscience right. handle that? Mine won't. Oh, John, uh, trust me. I, I think you and I probably get the same slings and arrows about the very same issue. We do. Roger, let me ask you real quick. We only have 60 seconds left, but in our last 60 seconds, you also as a pastor, one other thing I think needs to happen, and I know this is harsh, but born again believers in Christ need to stop voting for the Democratic Party. They are not the Democrat Party. Democratic Party of your grandfather. I don't think Christians have any business putting Democrats in power. Last 30 seconds, Roger, your thoughts. Yeah. Look at the platforms. Look at what the parties represent. And when you and, and take the Republican and peace and freedom and all the other parties out of the equation. If you're a Christian and you're registered as a Democrat, look at the party platform, look at the slaughter of the unborn, look at the huge spending uh, increases, look at the social programs that don't support mm -hmm. legal citizenship. I mean, the list goes on and on. There really is no workable case for a person in the body of Christ to vote Democrat. Now, I want to add something else, too, since we're talking yeah. about people of faith. Yeah, we're, we're just Yates, about out of time, too, just so you okay. know. Jason Yates, my faith votes, 25 million Christians sat out the last election. I mm -hmm. believe it is unbiblical. To, uh, this is something where God right. says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Your vote belongs to both. Get right. out and vote. Absolutely. Why would we take it and bury it in the ground when, right. when this is a gift that we've been given in a constitutional exactly. republic to affect the laws that affect our neighbor and we're going to bury it in the ground and not use it? All right, folks, it's National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Uh, John Rush, Roger Marsh, myself, Bob Duco. We always appreciate you folks listening. Again, you can watch video of us at myhopenow.com or just uh, go to crawfordmediagroup.net and you can listen to previous episodes or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in wherever you listen to your podcast. We thank you for your five-star reviews. And John and Roger, uh, always great talking with you. Look forward to catching up next week when we'll be joined again by Neil Boron. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. You bet. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now.
You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at crawfordmediagroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at myhopenow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.